Welcome. This is the session where we are talking about trials and their objects. Um, if you are looking for health session, you are in the wrong place. This is where we talk about um, trials in our lives. I'm not, in 45 minutes, we're going to try to cover, I guess, the basic of why we are going through so much, what kind of agenda uh, the enemy has for you and me, and what kind of agenda God uh, has for us in those time, in those trials. So before we start, let's just bow our heads and, and pray. Father in heaven, at this time we come to your throne and pray that you will speak to our hearts. Let this not be a demonstration of verses, thoughts, theory. Let this be an experience with you. Let everything that will be said and will be, uh, will see through your word be an encouraging aspect in our lives. So, Father, teach us this afternoon what you have and what you want to accomplish in our lives. Thank you for listening and thank you for using the one who's speaking right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So one thing that is happening in, in, in the world is this. Uh, who knows a person that is not going through problems? I guess everybody's going through something, right? So what we are hearing right now is that people are going through a lot of tribulation, a lot of problems, a lot of situations that they, they seem not to be able to handle. And uh, we have all kind of uh, family problems, uh, 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 famine. We have, uh, right now we have terrorists. We have uh, people killing each other. Parents, uh, especially in Quebec, heard, uh, you read the news, uh, almost every week there's people missing. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I was reading the newspaper. You have uh, two fathers, different places, that got into a, situa uh, a problem with their wives. And they take it on the children, killing bo uh, both dads, killed their children uh, in different places. So we are having a lot of situation happening before us. And now when we look at Christian we seem to see that there is nothing different. Right? Tell me a Christian that is not going through problems as well. Tell me a Christian that is not looking for a job. Tell me a show me a Christian that has no financial problem, has no debts. Yeah, a couple of them has no debts. That's good. <laughs> Praise God. And uh, who doesn't have a problem in relationships or in health? So it seems that the world has the same problem as Christian. What makes us different then? Why would a person come from the world and become a Christian while he or she will still have the same problem when she was or he was in the world? What makes Christian different today? 
And now when we look at the, uh, at the Bible, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Amen. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says, I guess it is uh, a verse that is well known, that many Christians will quote that to you. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an, ex- an expected, what? End. So when we look at this verse, we understand that God has what? He has a plan for us. What kind of plan? Tribulation, problems, difficulties, sufferings, trials. Peace. Peace. A plan of peace. Now, when we look at that part of this text, we understand, hey, God has a plan for me, but it is a plan of peace. But when I look in my life, I don't see peace. It's always happening that when I get home or when I get to work or when I get into this world, when I open the the newspaper, it's the great controversy happening. So what what kind of plan is this that peace, but when I look around, there's no peace. I'm still going through my, my, my mental sufferings. I'm still going through my problem in health. I'm still going through uh, problems with brethren in, 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 in the church. I'm still going uh, with my problems with jobs. So what kind of plan is that? It seems that I'm going through a way that is a little bit controversy here, and you might think that I'm going against God, but... Like Solomon says, just listen for the end of the, just pay attention to the conclusion of the message. All right? So we understand that God has a plan, a plan of peace, but when we look around, we don't see that peace. We don't see that plan. It seems that people have this mentality that if you become Christian, God has a plan for you and peace will follow. Many people will go through uh, uh, um, to give Bible studies and, and to try to convince people that Christianity is the best things happening to people. But as we know ourselves, are we not fooling people around or lying to people? Because we know, we understand that being Christian is not an easy thing. Right? Sometimes you have to face your own family. Sometimes you have to, to, to uh, leave or, or uh, change friends. You, sometimes you have to change uh, people that you used to hang out. Sometimes you need even to change your job because sometimes before you meet Christ, you're working on the Sabbath. Right? But we understand all this, and it seems that we get into that mode to present people that everything is cool in Christianity. (laughs) Everything is okay. As soon as you become Christian, you get baptized, they plunge you and get you out of that water, everything will be fine. If Christian was easy and cool and very peaceful, everybody would be Christian. 
But now it seems that we are trying to see something different in the Word of God through trials. Uh, Romans chapter 8. We're going to turn through a couple of verses um, today. I guess you guys have your Bibles, right? You do? Amen. Amen. All right, because we're going to use it a lot. So now, another verse that Paul says, And we know that all things, Romans 8 verse 28, well-known verse, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. No, what, what Paul is saying here is that all things work together for what? For good. Are you sure about that? Does all include all or all exclude few things? All include all, right? Okay. But does it mean that when I'm going through those trials, suffering, mental uh, dilemma or, or, or uh, difficulties that, I'm happening, that is happening in my life, is it still all things work together for good? Are we still this kind of Christian that would say, all good, it's all good, it's all good. What happened when those situations hit us hard? Like I said, many people think that becoming Christian, it's something... That is, uh, that is cool and easy. But I guess when we move along, we'll see that it is, there's something important that we, we have to understand as Christian. Then we understand what kind of peace God is trying to say when He says, I have a plan of peace. Then we will understand that Christianity is, if you want to say it, easy. Because God has provided everything so that we can go through. Now, John chapter 15. Even Jesus says himself that this is not something that I'm calling you to. It's not something that I'm, 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 I'm telling you to be my, my disciples. But I don't want to hide you that there is something that's going to happen to you. I just want, don't want you to be in the darkness. All right? John chapter 15 verse 18. And it says, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before. Uh, before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. Now, verse 20. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his, than his Lord or master. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. So now what Jesus is saying, you are my disciple. You are my followers. I don't want you to be in, the, in darkness of what's, what can happen or what will happen to you. I just want to show you some, uh, tell you something is that if... I am your master, and they have persecuted me. 
guess what they're going to do with the servants? Guess what they're going to do with the disciples? Guess what they're going to do with the followers of Christ? So I don't want you to be in darkness. I don't want you to be uh, surprised by it. But you have to understand, Christianity, when you start following Christ, there is something that is happening. You have changed direction. When you used to walk in the world, you used to walk with the world. Now when you turn to become a Christian, you're walking against the world. So when you walk against the flow, sometimes you bump into people, right? When you have a road full of people going in one direction and you want to get to the other side, you bump in many people. And you know what's the problem sometimes? You bump in people that are also called Christians. And that's one thing, brothers and sisters. We are not here to just follow the crowd. And this is what's happening in, 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 in many places right now, is that people are checking the wind, see where everybody's going, and just follow. They don't see at the end what's happening, but when we decide to follow Christ with all our hearts, with all our mind, and with all our soul, we need to take another direction. And that, this is where we are being persecuted, we are having so much problems. Now, when, when, when Jesus is saying uh, we are being persecuted because we are not of the world, the world, uh, basically, we're going to be persecuted by the world, right? But who's the prince of the world? All right, John 14, verse 30. So we are saying that in this uh, case, we are suggesting that the prince of this world is behind the People to persecute who? Us. Sorry? Us. To persecute Christ and to persecute it, to persecute the disciple the disciples of Christ. Now, let's think for a moment. What is, is the purpose of Satan when he sends trial? sufferings, afflictions, or problems in our lives. He is the one who originates problem in this world, right? So if we turn to Genesis chapter 3, this is a book and a chapter that I love because there's a lot of things that you can learn from chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse... Verse 4. Genesis chapter 3. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you a story. Uh, when I talk about people, uh, when we decide to follow Christ and we turn and we uh, move against the flow, there is something that, is, that happens as well. I remember when I was... Um, I was about to say young. I'm still young, but younger. <laughs> um, back home, uh, I, I come from uh, Mauritius, small island, very nice. If you have Google, 
you can Google it after. <laughs> uh, uh, the place where I used to live was almost like a village or a country, if you, if you, if you want. There's a lot of trees, uh, fruit that grows in your backyard. You have mango, you have lychee, you have star fruits, you have jackfruit, you have bananas. And so what we used, what we used to do as children, we used to sometimes, if, if I feel like doing it, I will climb the tree, take a mango, take a bite. It's not ripe, I just leave it on the tree and let the, the birds do the rest. Or maybe I'll come back a few days after to see if it is ripe and then I'll eat the whole things, right? So what will happen sometimes is we would walk and uh, go to places, maybe there's uh, a neighbor or someone that has a mango tree that is called, um, uh, it's like an apple, but it is a mango. I don't know if you ever saw that, but it's really good. Sweet, best mango ever, all right? So this is one of the things that we, I used to love. But it's not in my backyard. It's in somebody else's backyard, right? So what we used to do as children, check out is if everybody's not home. So what we used to do is to throw rocks or maybe take a stick and try to get some mangoes out of the tree. So then if it is ripe, we'll eat it like this. If it is not ripe, we'll do like a salad with it. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> and so so it's, it's, it's really good. Now I'm thinking, do you think that I will go to a tree that is not bearing fruit to throw rocks? No, I'm going to a tree that bears fruits to throw rocks. When a Christian is walking with Christ, what's he supposed to bear? Fruit. What kind of fruit? Mango, bananas, what? The fruit of the Spirit. So now, like I said, who will receive rocks? Those that bear fruits or those that don't bear fruits? So, so don't, be, don't be surprised that you are getting some rocks or stick or anything because the reason why you're having all this is because you're bearing some fruits that people are not bearing. So now, uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 4. And the serpent said to, uh, unto the woman, Ye shall not... Surely die. We know all this, uh, uh, this text. We know it by heart. We, know, we, we heard a lot of preaching about this. But this particular verse brought a lot of things in, the mind, in Eve's mind. Right? So now, it's not a physical suffering that, he's, that she's going, but a mental suffering. Why? Because now she's questioning God. There's a trial that is going, uh, that is going in, in her mind. What was going on in her mind? God said, don't eat, you'll die. The serpent says, eat, you won't die. So this is a battle that is happening in her mind, and the end result, you know what happened? She trusted the devil. So here's one purpose of the enemy. Try to create confusion in your mind. God is not the author of Confusion. 
try to create confusion in your mind and try to make you disbelieve in God's work. And he tried it with Eve, he succeeded, and today we are seeing the same pattern repeating. Right? But in Eve's mind, this is, this is not a physical problem. She was not having a, a, a famine in Eden. No. It was just a battle in her mind that who should I trust? God or this serpent? And he was able to, be, to, to succeed in this. Now, when we read another text, Job. Is about to say job. <laughs> All right. Uh, verse fourteen, chapter one. Job chapter one. All right. Okay, we're still in time. And it says, uh, there came a, a messenger unto uh, Job and said, the, the oxen were plowing and the, the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, uh, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Now, when he was, uh, while he was yet speaking, there came another, uh, uh, another. And said, the fire of God is fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only escape alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, yet came also another and said, the Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away. Yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword and I am only escaped. Uh, I only escape alone and te uh, to tell thee. Now, while he was yet speaking, he, uh, what happened next is that a wind came and blew the tent where all Job's children were and killed them all. And it was only one servant who was able to escape to come and tell Job, right? So this is what's happening in the story. So Satan got per permission with God to afflict Job. Now, do you see the, the, the reason why he wanted uh, to afflict Job? What was the, the reason? Why he wanted to afflict Job? To get Job curse God. He said, if I touch him, he will curse you. If I touch him, if I touch whatever he has, he will, he will curse you in your face. And you see what's happening in those verses that we just read. If you look carefully, you will see that there is two uh, problems that the servant came. Two problems happened because of other nations, Sabians and Chaldeans. And the two problems that came, uh, uh, that came also was one, the fire of God and the wind from the east. Who created the wind? Who made the wind? Right? God. So which means what Satan is trying to show Job, uh, Job here, Job, Job here, he's trying to tell him, see, other nation is attacking you 
But God also is doing His part so that you can be miserable. Seeing those aspects of how the tribulation, the problems happen to Job, we understand that Satan tries everything to get one man to curse God. He can kill a whole uh, land of beasts. He can kill all the servants. He can kill all Job's children just to get a man to curse God. And since the beginning, he's trying to get people to curse or to point to God that he is the the one uh, at fault. Because in Genesis 3, if you, when we continue to read, uh, the man will say it's the woman. The woman will say it's the serpent. At the end, who created the serpent? was God. So that's why so many times when, when, when problems happening in our own lives, the only person that we turn to point a finger at is who? Most of the time is God. Even people in the world, when something, what they call acts of God, they will, it will just bring something to, uh, uh, to, to accuse God of being an unjust or not loving God. And the problem is, it is still among Christians. That sometimes when things and lives get rough, Instead of turning to God and seek help, what we do, we just accuse Him. That's why when we read the text in, in uh, Mark chapter 4, the storm on the lake, um, when, when Peter came to, to Christ, he said, Thou carest not? If, if I'm going through, um, if you are sick, for example, all right? You're sick, or maybe I'm sick, and I call you, and I tell you, thou thou carest not that I'm sick? How would you take it? Do you think it's a good question that I'm asking? Or I'm just saying, you don't care about me, or you just leave me there alone? Right? You just left me here to die. That's why you're not caring about me. And also, in the book of, um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's in... In, in Luke, where uh, Mary was doing a lot of things in the kitchen, and uh, she came and asked Jesus, Jesus, thou carest not that my sister is not helping me? Even in the small activities that we do at home, there is something that we can accuse God of. Is it our case? But what God is trying to do in those situations? While Satan has his own agenda of trying to get you curse God. While, straight, while Satan has his own agenda of trying to get you uh, 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 accuse or, or abandon God. As a Christian, how should we see it? As Christians, do we have the same mind as the world or should we have the same mind as Paul? Let's read one text. First Corinthians chapter 10. 
Are we still together? Nope. Okay. First <laughs> uh, Corinthians chapter ten, verse thirteen. All right. So it says, First Corinthians chapter ten, verse thirteen. There hath no temptation taken to you such as is common to men. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So now, what, what Paul is trying to say in this, in this text? What is he saying in this text? He's saying... Yes, First uh, Corinthians chapter ten, verse thirteen. All right, uh, Paul chap- uh, is saying in this verse that everything that happens to you, temptation or whatever it is, God will not send you something that you cannot overcome. So, which means that when God is sending you something or you are going through something, it is something that has already been measured by God and God knows that you can go through it, but you don't know about it. That's why God is trying to show you that, hey, there is some capacity in you. I just want to show you what you can do, what, uh, where I can bring you in those trials. There's a saying, uh, a quote from somebody who said, if your life is like going through hell, through hell, keep walking. Mm. Keep walking. Sooner or later, it will be over. Because God has already measured and know how long you can take it. How long? That's, there's, when I was looking at that text, I, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, when people give up in times of trial, they don't really know what they are capable of. That's what we are missing. We, we don't know what we are capable of. That's why God needs to bring something and show you what we are capable of, or, or maybe sometimes will show us what are defects or draws that we need to get rid of. Yes, it's true. But what he's trying to say is that we can overcome whatever comes to us. We can overcome by God's grace. Amen? Amen. So, um, here's one quote from uh, the Spirit of Prophecy. It's taken from uh, early writings. Wonderful book. If you have a chance to, to read that book, reread it. All right, uh, it's taken from chapter 7, early writings, and the chapter is called The Trial of Our Faith. This is a, uh, uh, a quote that I find really interesting and powerful. Um, she said, uh, it, it is the, Wait, for those who's following with me, it's the first, second, third paragraph. All right? It says, God has shown me that he gave his people a bitter cup to drink. 
What kind of cup? Bitter. Bitter cup. All right. To purify and cleanse them. What was the purpose of that bitter cup? To purify and cleanse them. It is a bitter draught. And they can make it still more bitter. All right. Who can make it more bitter? We. We can, uh, and they can make it more bitter by murmuring, complaining, and repining. Repining means uh, feel discontent. You're not comfortable or don't like it. All right? We can make it more bitter. But those who receive it thus must have another drought. For the first does not have its design upon uh, design effect upon the heart. Mm. And if the second does not effect the work, then they must have another and another until it does its design effect or they will be left filthy, impure in heart. I saw that this bitter cup can be sweetened by patience, endurance, and prayer. And that it will have its design effect upon the hearts of those who thus receive it. And God will be honored and glorified. Amen. Early writings, chapter 7, the trial of our faith. So, in this, when, when God is bringing, brings you in those kind of situations, He's not trying to, 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 to put a trap or try to punish you or something. In fact, there's quotes that says, uh, she said, uh, people might think that when we are going through trials, that God is punishing us. No, it's not punishment. He's just trying to work in us to try to, to, to remove all these things that He doesn't need, you don't, we don't need to get to heaven. So instead of thinking about Christianity of a training school, we still think that Christianity is something that school is an easy. So this is a training school where we are trained to get to heaven, where we are being trained uh, uh, to, to be a, a, uh, in the service of God, right? So now, uh, what she also says, that it can be sweetened. It is possible that this bitter cup can be sweetened. It, it, it is sweetened by what? By patience, endurance, and prayer. Three things that can change our situation. Even if it is hard, even if it is difficult, it's still possible to go through it by God's grace. Amen. Let me ask you a question. When you want to have orange juice, what do you do? You go to a store? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good. That's the easiest way. But if you have oranges, what do you do? You have to squeeze them, right? You have to squeeze them. If you want apple juice, you squeeze them as well. But how do you get Christ in a Christian? <laughs> you squeeze them, right? 
But the trials that we go through, this is those that press and squeeze us so that Christ can come out. The character of Christ can come out of us. That's the purpose of God so that we can reflect the character of Christ or look like Christ, not physically, but in character. So this is the purpose of God of trying to get us, not get us in trouble, but give the permission so that we can go through some trials and sufferings. And, and one other uh, quote that people, that um, she said, she said, when we, we look back at those trials, we'll say, that's it? Th- that's it? All this heaven just for that? That's why at the gates of heaven, we, we will take our crown, we, we would say, no. <laughs> it, it's not, it's not we, we don't deserve that crown. Because this small suffering, it's, it's, it's just nothing. So, Paul, uh, not Paul, uh, Peter goes in that same direction. And he said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, First Peter chapter four verse twelve. All right. First Peter chapter four verse twelve. And it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As though some strange things happen unto you, but rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Peter is saying, Don't don't think that it is strange that you are going through trials, that fiery trials that we are going through. Don't think that this is. Uh, you'll be taken by surprise because you think Christianity was a cool thing. But what you have to understand is that we need to be partakers of Christ's suffering so that we can be partakers of Christ's glory. But before we get to the glory, we need the suffering. And, 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 uh, and one of the things that I it was interested Uh, I was interested in is that Peter said rejoice rejoice in suffering be happy in suffering let's turn our Bible in Acts chapter 5 I'll show you something when I read those texts I sometimes I smile I'm like I'm like would I be able to do that But it is something that is interesting and powerful as well because we understand that if it is only through the Spirit of God and a full commitment to God that you are able to do it, right? Uh, chapter 5, verse 40. All right, so this is, the context is Peter was arrested because he was preaching Christ. And uh, verse 40 says, to him they were agreed. They were trying to get Peter and the other disciples that was there to not preach about Jesus. 
And verse 40, and to him they agreed, and when they had called the disciple and beaten, beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Did, did you see what ha just happened in that text? He's... The text is saying that those disciples, they agreed with the disciples and then beat them and then let them go. They left the council. They left where they were in prison, right? But when they were leaving, what the Bible says? They were rejoicing. They were happy. It seems that Peter said, hey, you got beaten too? Me too. High five, my brother. <laughs> so it was... It is something that you can't imagine. Would you be able, you just got beaten or, or I don't know, just uh, uh, come out of, of somewhere that was difficult for you and just rejoice like that? What can give you that rejoicing spirit in this time? Like, it is, it is hard to understand that those people just got beaten. I remember when I was school, when I got beaten, it was not a happy thing. You know, school in islands and other countries, they work against Canadian law, especially at school. And sometimes it's really shameful because you are getting bitten in front of your friends. So when you come back to your place, you're going like this. You can't even sit. You sit like this on your chair. But I don't rejoice. But when I think about those disciples getting beaten and, and, and then leave this place rejoicing, I'm like, there's something wrong with that. You can't have that kind of spirit. Now, let me show you something else. All right? Um, all right. Let me show you something else and then we'll, we'll move a little bit faster. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter... 2 Corinthians, chapter 11. 2 Corinthians, chapter 11. All right? Uh, verse 24. And it says, uh, 2 Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 24. Of the Jews, five times receive I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once uh, was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. In journeying often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heaven, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, and in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness, in watch, watching often, and hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things we that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. So if you break down that, those verses and you make a list what Paul went through, I wonder when I look at that uh, when I look at that text I was thinking 
I'm like, this is interesting. What if we include that in the baptismal vows? Do you think that many Christians would be Christian today? Would, would get into that water to, to still get getting baptized? Because like we said before, Jesus is saying, if the world has persecuted me, don't think you're going to have it easy. It's going to be the same thing. Now Paul understood it and he gave an account of what happened to him. Now, if we put that in our baptismal vow, when, you, when, when, when people are saying, uh, do you believe in the Trinity? Do you believe in, in the Adventist church? Do you believe in that, in this and that? Everybody say yes. And then the 14th, I think it's 13, right? Is it 13? 13? I think it's 13, right? So let's just say the 14th is this. Knowing that being a Christian, you might be being striped or beaten or being put in prison, being in perils, being uh, 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 accused falsely, being uh, in in nakedness, being in in hunger, in thirst, uh, and also, I don't know, meeting false brethren. What would you, what would you, would be your answer? Would you still get baptized? If you look at, at uh, Paul's, when, when Jesus uh, told Ananias to go and see Paul, God, uh, Jesus said, I have chosen him to bear, uh, to, to, to bear the message to the Gentiles. But he continued and said, I will show him how much he should suffer for my name's sake. What we have to understand, brothers and sisters, is that it's true that Christianity is not the easiest things on the earth. We might not have the, the coolest ride ever of our lives. We might not have petal of rose on a, on, on a road where we're walking. We might have it difficult since the beginning until now. But one thing that this person has gone through, which is Paul, there is a lot. He was, uh, he was left for dead after being stoned. Like, it is, he went through a lot. When we look at the life of Jesus, it's the same thing. He was beaten. He was, he was, uh, he was abused. He was, uh, he, 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 he was thirsty, he was hungry, people was accusing him falsely, he was uh, betrayed by one of, of his disciples, he was uh, rejected by his own people. The same thing. He said, if they did this to me, they will do it to you. And we have an example from the word of God, which is Paul himself telling his story. But yet Paul says in First uh, Thessalonians, Chapter 5, verse 18. What does 17 says? We know that, right? Verse 17 says, Pray without, without ceasing. And, the, and 18 says, He said, Rejoice always in everything. How could that man going through so much and still say, Rejoice. How could that man go? There's another text that I'm gonna, not going to open it, but you can take note. It's, it's in um, 
uh, it's in um, Corinthians chapter Second uh, Corinthians chapter one verse eight to ten. Paul said, "I I just want, don't want you to be ignorant about troubled time that we went through." He said, "At some point, we." We, we let go of everything, of everything that we had because it was just us and death. It was, he was just waiting f- for death. And he said, you know what? We have come to that point where we don't trust ourselves, but trust God. What we have done so far is to build something until now. We understand that everybody is having, not having an easy life. We understand that problems happen to everybody. Trials, suffering, affliction, temptation, everybody has that same problem, even Christian. But how Christian can be different? How is it possible that Christians are going through the same thing? And or, or the question that we may ask ourselves, are we doing the same thing that the world is doing? Now, when we get to this understanding that... There is somebody who's working behind the scene just to get us accuse God, deny God, betray God, or, mem- uh, or even curse God. We know that he has an agenda or a purpose while sending you all these things. Now, we understand also that when God, when uh, I love to use that, that, that phrase, when Satan is working hard on you, to get you down or to put you down. When, when you are down on your feet and you can go no more, he finished his sentence, his, 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 his diary about you and put, like uh, Sebastian said, in England we say, uh, full stop. But here in America we say, period, right? We put a period. Um, when Satan reached to that point in his own diary and said, he is done. He is finished. You know what God can do with that full stop or period, as we call it? He can change it and make it a comma and continue with another story with you. Amen. That's how God works because he has another plan for you in this time, in those situations. One of the things that we understood from Genesis and Job is that if we don't trust God and what He says, we will take the way out. We will soon leave. We will soon abandon the race. All right? So... um, let me read something to you before we finish. Um, it's taken from Patriot and Prophet. I'll give you the page. Um, one second. The page is 129. Okay? The page is 129. Uh, it says, Affliction perfecting aid for our character and development. God has always tried his people in the furnace of affliction. What he, he, he always do? 
tried his people in the furnace of affliction. It is in the heat of the furnace that the dross is separated from the true gold of Christian character. Jesus watches the test. He knows what is needed to purify precious metal, that it may reflect the radiance of his love. It is by close testing trials that God disciplines his servants. He sees that some have powers which may be used in the advancement of his work. And he puts this person upon trial in his providence. He brings them into position that tests their character and reveal defects and weaknesses that have been hidden from their own knowledge. So, we go through suffering, trials, and tribulation. Just, it's not because God doesn't want us anymore, no. It's because He has a purpose. Because He sees in you and me that there is potential of accomplishing something. That's why before you get to that point of working for Him and with Him, you just need to get rid of something in your life. You know the saying of people, uh, especially women, you have to suffer to be beautiful. I don't know if it's the same phrase used here. You have to, uh, yeah, it's only in French, right? So, uh, yeah, this is the French version. <laughs> but in order to be where God wants us to be, there is some suffering that we need to do. That's why uh, uh, the reason why God needs to do that is because He don't want any, anybody to bring any baggage with, with Him or her in heaven. He just wants you to get everything pushed aside and just trust in His Word, even if we don't see beyond what we are seeing right now. Even if we don't see that there's an end to our problems. There's a lot of things that we can talk about on this issue. But God sometimes uses those situations to bring us out of something. Let me tell you a story as I close. Um, 2008. It was 2008. I, when I, when I got married, I, my wife is here, she can, she can confirm what I'm saying. Um, I, I was working and uh, Saturday, uh, Sabbath, I was at church and meetings in the afternoon, like really involved in church and Sundays we were going uh, uh, to do uh, uh, missionary work, right? So the whole day, so every, every day I was busy, you know, working for God, trying to find solution because I was personal ministry and in Sabbath school as well. So really involved and also prayer department in the church. So really involved in, in the church. Now, uh, in 2008, I got the visa to come to Canada. So my family was supposed to come and meet me in Canada after that. So we were not able to get, uh, come together because my wife was pregnant and where we went to do the medical test, she told my wife, if you want, we can do an abortion and you can get your visa right away. So we choose not to. 
That's why came my little boy, right? So after that, she did her test, and then the paper came. She was not uh, granted the visa to come and meet me here in Canada. I was here in Canada. So we tried again, and it didn't work. They didn't give us. So for five years, I was here in Canada studying, and after studying, I was, uh, after study, I, I, I worked. But during the, that, that five years that I was here, I, I, I can tell you how many times I, I, I went on my knees and, and couldn't bear the fact that my family is not here, is just crying. Why, sometimes, why is this happening to me? Why would God not let my family to be here? And sometimes you will get frustrated more because you think that, okay, you're here, you're working for God, and then the person next to you get uh, 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 bursary from the school, and you know you're a Christian, you're a child of God, you didn't get it. So, all this time, the only thing that God was trying, not the only thing, a couple of things. The one thing that God was trying to teach me is to take care of my family. I was working five days a week. Sabbath, I was at church every time. Morning, afternoon, I have meetings. Sunday, I was not at home. When was the time with my family? There was none. But I was working for God. I was doing God's work. But the problem is, I didn't pause long enough to understand that there's another work that needs to be done at home. And when God... We prayed before we, uh, I came to Canada, but when I came here, he started to put that in my heart that what you were doing, I, I need to bring you here. I didn't understand it the first two years because I was thinking and focusing of my, on my own problems and, and, and try to understand why this is happening, why we didn't get the visa. But to understand... I truly believe that God needed to bring me through that to make me understand that you need to take care of your family. If sometimes we talk, me and my wife, and we understand that if I was going like this, if I continued like this, we would end up to have a, 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 get, a, a, get a divorce. It would have gone that far, and I was... For me, you, you can ask it. I was like some kind of dictators at, uh, a dictator at home. True story. But it seems that he needed to f these five years to teach me and change my mindset because me not going or uh, 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 spending time with my family at home home was not really in my mind. It was just church work uh, meetings and then Sunday uh, missionary work. Whereas my family is dying without knowing Christ. Without, 
while my children growing up not knowing the three angels' message. That's the point where I needed to go through. And one time when I read the, the second quote, I really uh, understood that there was a purpose of me being here alone. To change my mindset, to change my understanding of family, to change me, and to change a couple of things that needed to be changed. There are things that I didn't know that I had I was surprised that I have it in those moments alone. But one thing that is for sure, brothers and sisters, God will never bring you to a temptation, to a trial, to a suffering, to an affliction if He had not measured it before. If He, does, if he sees that you can't go through it, He won't give it to you. And when I read that text, I understand that God knew that I, was, that I would be able to go through it, that we would be able to go through it. Then he let this happen. I, I don't know what kind of sufferings you have, what kind of trials, what kind of situation you have, health, financial, uh, family problems. But one thing is for sure. Just remember that. God will never give you something that you can't handle. That's why when we open the text, uh, our Bible text with Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, when it says, I have a plan of peace and expected hope for you. He was not, we saw that when I look at my life, I don't see that peace. But when we understand that God has prepared a way out or has already measured it, we understand that His plan is a plan of peace. Because He already measured, He already knows what we can do, what we can't do. That's why we are going through it. So my prayer for each of us this um, afternoon, it's true that we didn't have more time to talk about other things. But one thing is for sure. What God is sending to our lives will help us to get to eternity. Amen. Remember that. Let's all stand and end and with, a, with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, this is a privilege to know that there is a God who measures everything. Even our temptations, even our sufferings, even our trials, before you even allow it in our lives. It gives us hope, Father, and peace knowing that you are a God that will never send us something that we can't handle. But Father, in this situation, instead, sometimes instead of focusing and trusting in your own word, we trust in our own effort and strength. We focus on our own understanding and theory, uh, theory uh, understanding of your word. We focus on 
on that kind of experience that is like a cloud that will disappear soon. We focus on own knowledge of how to get out of this situation, but instead we should have focus on you. So, Father, as we see all these people through the Bible who went through a lot of things and still say, rejoice in all things. Please, Father, we don't know how to rejoice in those situations. It's hard sometimes to to praise you in times of trouble. Sometimes we don't even feel like doing it. As we have heard the sermon and the messages, create in us this desire to praise you in all things. Father, please, you know everyone here in this room. The words that has come out of my mouth and the words that we just read Let it be a word that will reach the heart of everyone's here. So that when we get to the point that we are going through something, we can just remember that we are, those things are preparing us for eternity. And remind us, Father, that you will never, never give us something that we can't handle. Thank you so much for being such a good God for us. Thank you so much for preparing us and giving us all the tools that we need to overcome. Help us, Lord, to trust in you, to love you more, and to let our lives be guided by you. Thank you for listening to our prayer. Thank you also for listening to our hearts. There are people here that is crying from the bottom of their heart to you at this time because of their situation. Please, please reveal yourself to us through this conference and every day of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.